listening to a Canary Cry Radio special. Hey everybody and welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to a special half episode, half flyby of oh, Canary gosh. Cry Radio. <laughs> you just can't commit, can you, Gons? No, I'm really bad with commitment, actually. It's one of those problems <laughs> that I have. Um, Don't I know it. <laughs> well, we... <laughs> We have a couple guests on, a couple friends. They are the hosts of the Woody and Wink show, and they have been part of a team that I've, uh, you know, been a part of for the last few months, putting together a conference that will be happening in the next uh, few weeks. It's Gary Winkleman and Douglas Woodward. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're good. It's uh, a little later here in Oklahoma than it is for you guys out there in California. So uh, I'm up and around. I've been doing some work. I've been drinking my coffee. I uh, ran out of ran out of caffeinated coffee though, so I'm I'm you know oh, maybe gosh. a little more droopy than I than I normally would be. But I'll do my best to stay awake throughout the entire show. <laughs> That's a disaster. <laughs> How you doing, Gary? You there? I'm doing good, guns. Yeah, thanks for having me on your program. It's great to, great to finally be here and uh, talk to both you and Basil. Program sounds yeah, well, so official, doesn't it? Hold on a second. You guys like our best friends. All three of you have been doing that podcast, and I'm just some guy over here talking in the corner by myself. So, <laughs> well, that's true. the The Woody and Wink show is off to a a, a grand start. Um, I, I'm not sure that we have a uh, a lion's share, you know, of the podcast world yet listening. Uh, we have a fantastic producer. Who makes us sound like you know this is like coast to coast or something? So uh, you know, and uh, and I listen to the conversations, and boy, I think they're really interesting. And uh, but we we have to figure out how we get more people excited about it. But I, but something tells me it's it's persistence and word of mouth. Yeah, I'll tell you what we've been doing this for about two and a half years, and I have no idea how anybody listens to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're just waking up in the morning. Right <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit under the weather, if you guys can uh, tell. Yeah, you haven't been in Dallas lately, have you? No, or, That's good. or, uh, or a Cleveland. Or well, Cleveland. I just I just got back from Liberia, but <laughs> <laughs> you have a vacation Dallas. in Sierra Leone or something like that. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're on self quarantine, right? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Well, that's that's kind of a thing. Volunteer. That's a natural. Uh, thing for basil anyway he's always on self-quarantine i was gonna say <laughs> i'm kind of on permanent societal quarantined he's saying i don't have any friends is what he's saying okay yeah yeah no social contact for you yeah well except for the internet okay so what the heck are we talking about here guys <laughs> well um you know we wanted to bring a couple people from the team on and talk about the conference what we're going to be discussing and the topics at hand just you know give an overview of, of what's gone on this year. This year's just been kind of crazy. With which everything conference in the news. is that? Yeah, which conference is that? <laughs> it's called... When is uh, it? What? What? I what? said, what and when? when? When is the conference? What is the conference? I don't know what you're talking about, Gons. <laughs> All right. It's uh, November 14th and 15th of 2014, and it is called A World Turned Upside Down. Decoding the dramatic new signs hastening the Lord's return. And, you know, we are moving a little bit away from some of the crazy supernatural topics at this conference, but I think it's it's kind of timely because, um, you know, I think the, the Nephilim topic is definitely interesting. Uh, UFOs and everything is definitely something that we always talk about and discuss, but given the current world climate, uh, a conference like this is vitally important because... You know, there's a lot of people out there that are confused. I mean, I, I'm personally getting a little bit freaked out, okay? I'm listening to the news and stuff, and normally I'm kind of like, you know, it's cool, whatever. But then I hear this Ebola outbreak thing, and the airplane with the with the young lady on it that was infected, and the airplane didn't even get, you know, blocked off until after five flights after. I mean, you know, it's fear-mongering in the media, but the, how do we deal with that stuff? How do we work through it as Christians. I mean, these are topics that I think, and maybe not the Ebola specifically, but, um, you know, the Middle East, all the stuff happening there. How do we deal with it? So, Doug Woodward, what, do you, what are we talking about? How, how do we deal with this? What, what's well, the topic at hand? Yeah, gosh, you know, like you're saying, there's so many topics. You know, I was sitting here as you were talking about the, 
Ebola thing and, and you know, the Middle East, the war in the Middle East, the Gaza war, the, you know, the revival of anti-Semitism in Europe, uh, that's become a, a big issue. You obviously have um, somebody in Ukraine shot down a commercial jet. Um, you, you got the fact that Vladimir Putin is, is uh, apparently conducting war exercises contemplating or assuming the possibility of, of a nuclear exchange. You've got this big threat between uh, Putin and NATO. NATO is trying to identify whether or not it's a, it's a real uh, entity to be reckoned with, that it really has a, you know, is it, a, is it just a kitty cat without claws or is it something real? You got, so you got Putin threatening the, uh, the Baltic states, um, and which, of course, is, seems like that's always where the, the Russians go first, is to, to beat up on the, on the Baltic states, which is like Latvia and, and Estonia. And who's the, who's the other one? I'm always, I always leave out the third one, Latvia and Estonia, and then there's one more, which I can't remember. But anyway, that, that's always sort of an issue. And then, then you got domestically, you, you do have the Ebola issue. You got the open southern border um, you've got the, you know, the beheading in Moore, Oklahoma, and I live in Oklahoma City, and I, and I work uh, part-time in Norman at the University of Oklahoma, and, and I drive through Moore, you know, <laughs> every time I go down. Of course, I also drive through the same area that got, you know, got wiped out. It's gotten wiped out three times by massive tornadoes. I always track on the same path. And, uh, but anyway, that's, you know, that's longer ago. That's, you know, ancient history. That's two years ago. Um, and so, anyway, so you got all of these issues that are that are going on right now, and um, and that's kind of why I, I think all of us in this call are interested in the more what we'd call fringe topics, like you know the Nephilim and the giants, and you know is there a cover up and the Smithsonian Institute, and you know is the UFO disclosure event ever going to happen? And and the goodness knows I've I'm guilty. I've written I've written books about it. Uh, God, I know you're writing the book about it, so it's it's not like it's an area that we that we have no uh, temperament for. We clearly do, um, but the, there's so many weird things happening just in the news that are occupying the media that you don't have to really go into the fringe subjects to catch people's attention. And so we we thought that we'd kind of go more a little bit more mainstream because there's so many of the standard prophetic scenario topics. Um, you know, like Gog and Magog, Armageddon, you know, the whole world turning against the, the Jewish nation, the rise of the Antichrist, Mystery Babylon, all of these things. Um, you know, it's like everything is active, everything is moving with increased acceleration. And so, you know, you don't have to really go scraping the bottom of the barrel to find incredible things that, that are interesting and are potentially the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And so that that's one of the threads, one of the real reasons that we are so interested in, uh, in and we've put together the Prophecy Forum as a, as a kind of a, well, as a ministry, it's set up as a business, um, because we didn't want to be a tax-exempt business and be under the thumbs of the federal government and the IRS. But, um, you know, it's really what caused us to do that, and that's what caused us to pick the title of a world turned upside down and trying to decode the the meaning of all these events. And so that's sort of the, you know, that, that, that is not an answer to the question, is, which is how do, we, how do we cope with these things? I'm hoping as we talk that I'll come up with a better answer to that. That's not, <laughs> that's not an easy question to answer. <laughs> so, well, but, good. That was, that, was a, that was a good overview. How, although. Right. Gary. Yeah. Up, buddy? How you doing over there? Doing good, man. What what sort of role are you playing in this shenanigan? Uh, you stole the word right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Basil, it's uh, it's been an interesting uh, last few years. I mean, with uh, the disruptions that are occurring, you know, in this country and around the world that you know Doug just uh, spoke to. I think everybody's asking themselves a lot of questions about, you know, hey, what's really going on here? And right. I think in around, uh, you know, January of 2011, I got rebaptized. I The first time I did that was back in the 80s. I snuck into a group uh, that was getting baptized down in Corona Del Mar on the beach with Chuck Smith. And, 
I well, remember, you're definitely saved. If check, I, I snuck in at the last minute. I just, you know, I put it on. I, no, no, no. I ran down there and I jumped in like I was part of the class. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to Chuck Smith, I said, you better dunk me twice. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> and I don't remember what he said, but next thing I know, I'm under the water. But in uh, January of uh, 2011, I was part of a men's ministry thing and Nobody would go out and get baptized, so I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and get rebaptized. And uh, the guy that was doing that was uh, a guy that I used to work with, Kenny Luck. At, we used to be at New Life together, and Kenny was the men's pastor at uh, Saddleback Church at that time. So I did that, and uh, since then, my life has been disrupted, I will, I will tell you that. Uh, part of it was uh, Obama and the medical device tax destroying our industry. Hmm. Um, most people don't even understand this, Basil, but... You know, we're taxing one industry to pay for everybody's health care. Interesting. How do you do that? I, do, I had not heard about that. You yeah, you know, Obama is going down in history as the most deceptive president in the history of the United States, and he's had a lot of help from Harry Reid and Nancy Pelosi. That's and a tall order to fill, too. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the bottom line on that is... Um, uh, there was like almost 3,000 pages to Obamacare that was shoved down everybody's throats in the middle of the night. But there was one page in there that was called a excise tax. And they basically charged 2.3% off of a company's revenue. Well, if you're you know, a major corporation with global sales, 2.3% is a big bill. Mm-hmm. But where, where it affected me, and this gets into some of the transhumanism topics that we all have a mutual interest in, you know, I've made my living for 17 years building medical device startups, biotech, pharma, but predominantly device in California from Palo Alto to San Diego. Well, the net effect of this is the venture capital bankers read that one page. While the, the recruiters, which is what I do, I go out and find all the talent that goes into those organizations. I was too busy trying to find talent to worry about reading about Obamacare. Right. But in, in 2010-11... We started to ask ourselves, well, you know, our clients are putting our searches on hold. They say, yeah, we're worried about getting our next round of funding. Well, the, the, the net net of that, Basil, is six years into the Obama administration, the venture capital guys have left the United States as far as medical device funding. Wow. So, Which, of course, overall affects the, the future health care of, uh, of all Americans. Right. right. Now, I'm going to be a little transparent here. I mean, my competitor, one of my best competitors, has been a recruiter for 38 years. He's uh, 67 years old, still going strong. But, uh, you know, he lost his house two years ago, and he's living in a uh, RV in Southern California. Yikes. And and yesterday, because this is a vote of no confidence in where America is going, let alone two more years under this president. But I closed escrow on my home yesterday because I'm not going to take the risk any longer of trying to make my mortgage payment. Mm. You know, I'm, I, I'm trying to shift my career and my expertise out of medical device into other arenas, whether that's pharma or, or uh, whatever. But l- let me tell you what I'm really concerned about. When I read Tom Horn's book uh, and Doug Hamp's book on corrupting the image, uh, but I really drilled down behind Defender Publishing, and it's really been Tom Horn and Sharon Gilbert and others. Uh, when you start looking at what Department of Defense and DARPA has been doing, the way this whole game is played, the government farms out research to MIT in Boston or Stanford in Palo Alto. And that capital, then the venture capital guys all have their offices on Sand Hill Road in Palo Alto, right down the street from Stanford University. Right. These bankers aren't stupid. They sit there and take these guys that are uh, PhDs or master's degree levels guys at Stanford or MIT, and they have coffee with them every day, and they want to know what kind of research they're working on under some professor over there. And when this gets close to being commercialized, these kids leave school or they graduate and then they get $5 million bucks in funding Phew. as seed capital from some VC guy who helps him go get his IP signed up by some, you know, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe attorney. <laughs> and these guys are off and running. 
So, uh, you know, Gans has talked about this, and I, I've learned so much from Gans um, turning me on to guys like Richard Dolan or from Doug Woodward with uh, Jim Mars and uh, John Loftus. I mean, look, guys, these black ops projects beyond the purview of the budget uh, in Washington, D.C., beyond the purview of any oversight, you know, ends up 50% of our history becomes classified top secret. Right. And so now the general public believes everything that's been in their textbooks for the last 50 years, and 50 years later, as this stuff becomes unclassified, we find out the real truth about the military-industrial complex, the perennial wars that we're in right now in the Middle East. I mean, what are they saying on the 6 o'clock news right now? Well, you guys need to prepare the American people that this is going to be a 30-year war to get rid of ISIS. Need more boots on the ground again. You know, I'm thinking about Sherlock Holmes and Professor Moriarty. Yeah. What's the game? The academic professor is behind the scenes. He owns both the, 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 the guns and the bullets, and he owns the bandages. He sits on the board of directors as a scientific advisor or a shareholder, and he's making money off of both sides of it. I mean, right. It's not just a Hollywood fiction, guys. This stuff goes all the time. <laughs> yeah. Truth you know, is stranger but, than fiction. You know, and I, I, I'm ranting a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll shut up here in just a second. But, you know, you look back to the way they did the atomic bomb project. It was everybody was on a need-to-know basis. It was farmed out through various academic research projects. When each one got their academic piece done, it went to an Area 51, which was down in New Mexico in those days, right? And then somebody put the whole thing together and they went out and tested it. And, you know, that's what's going on right now with Google and Ray Kurzweil. I mean, for Christ's sakes, excuse my French here. <laughs> but the guy has bought up about five companies out of MIT with Google's, with Google's money. Right. Right. So that's the stuff. And the that, beat goes on. Yeah, he guys, I mean, come on, you know, there's, <laughs> there, there's something, you know, all I know is that we're going to have perennial wars in the Middle East that are prophetically playing right into end times prophecy, and Russia, the United States, China, everybody's making money off of it. Yeah, you know, it, it's what's really interesting politically, um, you know, listening to Gary talk is, you know, you might think that he's like this ultra-liberal, like a Noam Chomsky, you know, the guy from... You know, was he from MIT or Harvard? Uh, and has written, you know, for years books and done lots of documentaries talking about, you know, basically the the fascism in America, the corporation in America, right. and how it's dominating our politics, and and it does so in a very clandestine fashion. But I guess the comment I was going to make politically is that it, you begin to see uh, those that are enlightened, whether they tend to be fiscally conservative or fiscally liberal, Republicans or Democrats, let's say. You're seeing a lot of people on both sides begin to awaken at the same time and, and begin to question uh, just exactly what kind of game is afoot to, uh, you know, reuse back, use the Moriarty uh, Sherlock Holmes analogy again. You know, what game is afoot? And it, it, it is a kind of an epiphany. Um, you know, for the most part, uh, Americans don't, don't want to know. They want to keep their heads buried in the sand because it, completely disrupts their, their normal way of thinking. And we've talked a lot about pastors and even in evangelical churches that really don't want to deal with Bible prophecy because it gets them into all kinds of issues that uh, really cause people a great deal of, of heartache, emotion, concern, worry, consternation. And so it's, you know, it's sort of like topics that there are, there, there are those that are awakening and getting enlightened, but by and large, the most part, People don't want to know what's really going on because it's just too, too frightening. Ain't it the yeah. truth? Yeah, it's almost, it, it's almost the mind control stuff, guys. I mean, we've been so conditioned in this country since post-World War II. Uh, and, both, and, you know, Gonz, I know you know a lot about this, but uh, I want to just focus on Doug Woodward's books for a minute. On his book, Power Quest 1 and 2, and then the collaboration on The Final Babylon. The, the history, you know, the, the, the old saying, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. 
Same thing. And I know there's a pastor down in Australia, Steve uh, Kiyokaloni, and he said, you know, he says, look, if you don't understand the last 4,000 years of biblical history, <laughs> you cannot understand the book of Revelations. Mm-hmm. You're not going to understand it. You're not going to understand the Bible. So when you look at Bible history and you have a biblical worldview from creation, which is 6,000 years, right? Mm-hmm. When you start to get not the public school systems version of the textbook, not, not some state university's version of history, but you get a biblical worldview of history, your paradigm changes completely. You know, you no longer look at the Republican and the Democratic Party in the same view. You don't look at the United States of America, which has only been around for a couple hundred years, the same way. You start to see Jerusalem and Israel as the epicenter of the world, not Washington, D.C., right. not New York City, Right. Yeah, you know, and 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 just to to ground it back, you know that the topics that Woodward uh, had written about alongside Doug Krieger and, and Dee McGriff on the Final Babylon, that's you know some pretty interesting stuff as well. And and I think most uh, I think most Americans, especially the American pastors and and just the churches at large, uh, I was speaking to uh, you know somebody that uh, locally here that that just started a ministry and. It's interesting because you know these little kind of ministries are popping up. It seems like that are awake and aware and and seem to be going against the mainstream institutionalized church. And he called the mega church system, you know, cappuccino Christianity. And it's really kind of what it is. You know, they sort of <laughs> the gather the country club. The country club. Yeah, the country yeah, club. The I, I love that. We were talking about that last night on with Derek Gilbert, and and uh, you know that I hadn't really thought about that. But when you think about how these you know these mega churches have built their own gymnasiums and swimming pools and you know places to walk your dog and you know I mean it's just it's like it's, it's yeah. Disneyland it's an entertainment it is it's like being on you know Michael Jackson's uh, you know ranch or something yeah. it's like you know it's just, it's, just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just crazy you know it's what was the, the, the Michael Jackson's ranch you remember that you know what did what did he call it Gons do you remember he had oh, Neverland Neverland yeah, Neverland, yeah, Neverland. Yeah. you know well. Yeah, well, I don't want to go too far down that path. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot like that. It's like we got to have all these things that entertain people because we got to make Christianity cool. We got to do things to make the kids love to come, and we want the parents to come here rather than going to you know some other country club. And so, all of a sudden, the gospel is just squeezed out. You know, there's no talk about sin. There's no talk about, you know, redemption. There's no talk about discipleship. You know, those things, oh, those are, oh, those, that's such old-fashioned jargon. You know, that, that, just, that just won't relate. We can't deal with that kind of stuff. And so, consequently, you've got a Christianity that, that has, has capitulated in a very Americana kind of way. Oh, yeah, we talked about, yeah, go ahead, go, go ahead, Gonson. Well, I was going to say, I mean, Basil knows this, but, you know, we— we had worked together at, at a pretty big church, and that's where we met, and that's kind of the, the birthing place of Canary Cry Radio, interestingly, was at sort of the seeker-friendly church. And I always try to, uh, and I've shifted my view on that a little bit as far as um, really downing, you know, saying negative things about mega churches. Mm-hmm. in that I personally think that God can work through those churches because, of course, I was saved at one. Mm-hmm. However... You know they're they're dripping milk, and any you know as soon as I was like, all right, I'm ready to dive in, you know, head deep on some of these issues in the Bible and everything. They, a lot of resistance. A lot of resistance, and I, it was, and it you know there was a point I remember uh, I was uh, involved at the high school ministry for a few years, and one of the events they did was a homework burning at the end of the year. You know they didn't want the kids <laughs> to go crazy, so they did you know bring all your homework, we're going to burn it, and. Um, Okay, sure, whatever. But, uh, you know, all these kids brought their homework. They got these big trash cans out, those metal trash cans. They threw the, the, uh, the homework in there. They started burning it. The high school pastor takes off his shirt, starts parading around the fire. All the kids get around. I'm like, what am I watching? This is like a pagan ritual happening here. So, I mean, you know, I guess it's, it's better than... Of, it is the cremation of care. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. what the cremation like of care that, is. It's, it's exactly, Bohemian Grove. <laughs> Bohemian Grove and Moloch and, you yeah. know, yeah. wow. And I was going, what am I looking at? And, and that was, you know, that was actually a couple years into... I think Canary Car Radio was uh-huh. even going at that point. So, it, it was... Yeah. Oh, I was just, you know, facepalm. And, and it's not like I can talk to them. I'm just, you know, I was just the tech guy, you know. I, right. I couldn't really speak into 
the content or the kind of uh, you know the the spiritual or biblical side of things because I was you know I Not wasn't that part of the ministry. Even would have listened. But. No, no, they wouldn't have. <laughs> well, you know, I, I sometimes say that hey, if I if I wasn't a Christian, I I really would adopt the mega church kind of mentality, the health, wealth, prosperity, fit in, be be cool in society because it, it 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 is a productive way to contribute to you know the community by and large yeah. but but you know, it's but a the, big sale yeah but it's you know it's, <laughs> it's the second best you know it's second best and it's and, and that's why it's really so dangerous is because it it blocks people from really getting through to what christianity really is about which is acknowledging that there really is evil in the world that we really have a problem called sin that we are separated from the creator who was made known to us through Jesus Christ, and we have to accept Jesus Christ to deal with our sin problem. And so, you know, those are themes, though, that you are typically going to hear. Now, there are some good mega churches in which the gospel is preached, and these issues are addressed. There's some churches that do talk about uh, Bible prophecy and the kingdom of God as part of the message, but it's a very small major minority, and uh, and so that's really what, kind of what we're railing against is that. By and large, the, the pastors in America are trapped into a, a mindset in which they, they see the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God, as just an inward uh, thing that's just between you and God. And so, consequently, it's, it's really not much different than, different than Buddhism. Uh, you know, if that's all it is, it's just a New Age thing. And so, um, they, you know, they really don't want to talk about the implications. I'm not a social gospeler, but my, my sense is if you... If you if if the the life of Christ in you, if coming to become a Christian, you know, if, if it's not impacting the way you live your life and the influence you're having on society and the community, then there's a reason to question whether it's an authentic message or not. So it takes both. It takes a, a clear understanding of of the, the worldview, the you know, the, the, the essential issues of evil and uh, and the overall history of what's really going on in the world. But it also means that you that you can't you have to oppose evil when it pops itself up in the world. And that's kind of where we really get off and start ranting and raving and saying that America in the final Babylon is doing a, a great imitation of Adolf Hitler in the nineteen thirties in Germany. Certainly a different cultural milieu but uh, it's a very American way to do the same kind of capitulation that both the Catholics and the Evangelicals did in the 1930s in Germany. They did not stand opposed to the Antichrist. And, and our argument is that Americans, by and large, will not oppose the Antichrist even if and when he has appeared or will appear. Depending <laughs> <laughs> right. on your like view. That. Yeah, that's right. That's now, right. Uh, we have several speakers at this conference and, uh, you know, did you want to run through a couple of them and, and discuss sure. how they would contribute to sure. the conversation? Certainly. So uh, um, I'll, I'll mention a couple of folks. And, and, uh, and Gary, why don't you talk about the, the speakers that are in the Prophecy Forum that will be there. And I'll talk a bit about the speakers that are joining us from another uh, team in Columbus, Ohio, that uh, we're really excited to ha be, have a part of the, the conference. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we got your partner in the final Babylon. Doug Krieger is going to be taking on uh, uh, a, a big part of the, part of the conference, and then uh, John Haller, mm -hmm. who also is uh, mutual friends of ours with uh, Bill Koenig, a White House press correspondent. Uh, John's an attorney in Columbus, Ohio, and, a, and a, a pastor himself, and does a weekly prophecy update that he, we're now including on our, I believe, on our website. Mm -hmm. A weekly deal. Um, yeah, we and, jokingly call it the, the Haller Power Hour. Yeah. There you go. It's kind of like Robert Schuler, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and Gons is uh, laying real low on this uh, podcast today, but uh, Gons is going to be speaking. And of course, you know, Age of Deceit has reached out to over 3 million people. And uh, he's got some new stuff up his sleeve that I'll, I'll let him tell us about. Um, and, uh, of course, you, uh, Doug Woodward, yours truly, uh, are going to lead off with a new book and uh, build upon the final Babylon and, and some of the other things that are going on. Who else have we got in the mix? Is that, is we that got, oh, I'm sorry. I got distracted here. So we have, um, in, in terms of the, of the other group, one of the things that was really remarkable that happened 
was um, as we had assembled our team and we sort of planted the flag and said, well, we're going to do this. We're going to do it in Columbus in part because Haller's there and has a church. And you have, you know, we have boots on the ground, not to use that term in a negative way, but in a positive way. And uh, so... Put boots on the ground. Yeah, we had... What was that? I, I said, we are not, unlike our president, we are unafraid about putting yes. boots on the yes. ground. <laughs> we, we do have boots on the ground in Columbus. But there was this other group that kind of came out of, uh, of Steve Quayle's conference. Uh, these guys had spoken at that conference in Bozeman back in the summer, and they wanted to do a conference in Columbus. And unbeknownst to us, and really and, and us to them, they decided that they would do a conference, lo and behold, in Columbus, Ohio, and they would do it on November 14th and 15th, the very same dates and place that, uh, that we had already selected. And so it was a, well, you know, if you don't believe in providence and God, then you'd say, well, it's just purely a coincidence. But given the fact that Columbus is not exactly the first place that people do conferences like this, uh, even though it is the center, population center of the United States, virtually, um, it, it was a remarkable thing that this occurred. And so we found out about it uh, through a, a survey that had been done uh, by, uh, I think, Steve Quell and Hagman and Hagman, and, and they were looking at uh, how many people, how many pastors, the first survey was for pastors, how many pastors would be interested in coming to a seminar for pastors dealing with the issues of prophecy, eschatology, and, and what the church should be saying today? Well, they got an amazing response. They got zero respondents. <laughs> <laughs> and it was an amazing response. Too, well, busy, too busy with the country club, actually. That's right. You know, well, that just our church isn't strong enough to deal with those kinds of issues. And so uh, they, uh, what happened then was, was that they said, well, let's resubmit the survey, open it to the general public, let's see what kind of reaction we get. And, and they indicated to us that within 24 hours, they had 300 respondents uh, from the quote-unquote general public uh, which really was, of course, people with an affinity to the issue of Bible prophecy. And they said, yeah, we'd love to come to a conference in Columbus, Ohio, on November 14th and 15th. So, you know, in the great words of our day, go figure. You know, how could that happen, right? But it did. Right. And so uh, so this group includes, well, first off, uh, Hagman and Hagman, Joe and Doug Hagman, um, who have, you know, probably one of the top, what, two, one, two, three radio shows in the United States, probably the the top show on, on podcast, because I think that's their, their primary, their media's the internet, the podcast, and all that. Uh, not quite the same scale of coast to coast, but, you know, in terms of an evangelical Christian-oriented deal, very, very big, and they have a huge audience. Um, although Canary Cry is, is no doubt sneaking up. Woo! On them, absolutely, right? <laughs> and so, so Joe and, and uh, Doug Hagman are going to be at the conference. They're planning on doing a live Live before a studio audience, it's Joe and Doug Hagman. So they plan to do a live thing, uh, probably have a couple of us um, that aren't doing keynotes uh, be on their uh, show and uh, that Friday evening there in Columbus. We have, this, we have two great rooms. One of them is just like the stadium seating theater, uh, literally a theater with, you know, giant screen and cushy seats and, and uh, seats about 200 people. So that's, that's where they're going to be doing their, uh, their show. And, um, uh, and so you got uh, Hagman and Hagman. You got Russ Dizdar. Russ is a good friend. I've done a number of conferences with Russ. Russ is an Ohio guy. He has a good following there. He's sort of perhaps, you know, he, he does um, consultation with the police uh, departments around the country on the issue of satanic ritual abuse. So Russ is a, uh, I don't know, has Russ ever been on your guys' show? Yep. Yeah, that's what I thought. So Russ is, uh, you know, a spiritual warrior, uh, and he is, uh, he's not the guy, if you're, if you're a demon living in somebody, he's not the guy you want to see come in the room. Let's put that way. <laughs> you know, you're in trouble. Right. And, uh, and so, so Russ is really strong in that area, great preacher, and uh, he, I, his topics, which he kind of passed by me yesterday. They, they just look really good. So, uh, so uh, really dealing with the whole issues of like, you know, sort of Satan's political agenda and <laughs> stuff like that. So He's, he did uh, put up a little uh, podcast of his own yesterday. Did he, uh, did he talk on, about so, the conference a little bit? Yeah. There might be some canary cry people that want to flip over there to uh, check that out. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay yeah. that, that's good. Why not? It's, 
it's good. After you've listened to this entire show, every minute, then you can go listen to Russ. So, <laughs> your preview of what's coming. Dave Dobbenmeyer. Dave Dobbenmeyer is a, a minister past the salt ministry. Dave is um, really a strong uh, evangelical activist, and uh, he believes literally uh, in the words of uh, Michael McDonald and the Doobie Brothers and taking it to the street. So he uh, he's out there actively involved in, in issues that are pertinent to the evangelical community. Um, and then Greg Evanson. Greg is uh, another guy that's been in uh, kind of like Hagman and Hagman, who really were investigators. Uh, I think Greg has a, a police background and detective background yeah. and really articulate guy. He's a, uh, a friend of Steve Quayle's. I've heard them together on a number of shows. And uh, just very, you know, all these guys, Dave and Greg and Russ, you know, they have such a high level of conviction about what they're talking about that you can't really sit there and listen to them without getting inspired, disturbed, hopefully enlightened and motivated to, to you know, get in the game. And uh, so we're, we're just super fortunate to have all those guys. And then last but not least, um, our keynote is really Bill Salas. Bill has uh, been probably one of the leading uh, teachers in eschatology, Bible eschatology, for, I would say, in the last four or five years. He's had really big-selling books in this niche. Uh, Israelistein, uh, Psalm 83, uh, his his moose book is I believe it's called the prophecies of Elam, um, and which really deals with the one of the key issues that that the world is not thinking about at this very moment, but it should be, which is the probable uh, war between Israel and Iran, uh, the you know taking steps against Iran in terms of its nuclear program, and so uh, so Bill will be talking about those issues. So we're going to be clearly focusing on why Israel is at the center of so much of what's happening in the world and, and why the world right now does seem like it's been turned upside down. So, right. uh, oh, and then yours truly, I'll be speaking. I'll be speaking on a couple of things. I, I'm tempted and, and probably will talk about the prospects for the United States and why World War III, what it might mean to the United States and, and just how soon it might be. So it'll Sounds be a happy, fun. happy topic. It'll Yay. Be. But, uh, you know, anyway, it's something I think that, that folks are going to be very intrigued by. Right. Now, yeah. you, you had said uh, something about uh, some of the guys that, that are going to speak there, inspired and disturbed, which is an interesting <laughs> combination of, uh, of, of words. But I want to bring up a, a note that I received, and I, I won't disclose who I got the, the note from, because I think there are some people that are concerned about uh, the fear mongering aspect of this niche, you know, so, some right. of the guys have been accused of fear mongering. I've been accused of fear mongering. Basil has been accused of not fear mongering enough. Um, <laughs> it, it is, just an easy going guy. It's, it's a it's tough situation. True. Let me let me read this, uh, and it, yeah. uh, it, it it pertains to you and I, Doug Woodward. All right. Uh, this person said, "I was excited when I saw Gons teaming up with Doug Woodward to do conferences." I was even overlooking the fact that I didn't know who the other members of this group were. But when I saw Hagman and Hagman were added to the lineup, can I just say, disappointed. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, so, so what's well, your it, response it, to that? They can't make everybody happy, right? Sure. Well, you know, it, it, I don't know exactly where they're coming from. I mean, Hagman and Hagman have, you know, the, the, the sheer popularity of their show amongst so many folks, and we've gotten, oh, this week alone, we've gotten maybe a half dozen incredible uh, emails from people talking about how this opportunity is, it, it sounds like it's going to be, you know, for them, a life-changing event, and uh, Gonzo, you're familiar with the person from Oregon that yes. says that they're starting on like a pilgrimage to Columbus. Yeah, yeah you know, absolutely. He's driving cross-country. <laughs> yeah. Literally driving cross-country. We may direct them to pick up somebody in Montana that also right. wants to come. And, and uh, you know, so there's this, there's a high level of anticipation. Uh, Hagman and Hagman are obviously, uh, they are not reluctant to deal with really uh, tough issues. And, and to some extent, I'd say highly speculative issues. Um, you know, there, there is no question that there is, in Bible prophecy, a, a strong component of conspiracy theory. And there is a strong interest in 
what is really happening in the world because there is this belief that you know underlying all of this is this great conspiracy of Satan and uh, his his minions and that they are deceiving the world and because this is really the that's the core apocalyptic message of the Bible is that history is going somewhere you've got this battle between good and evil uh, and the these the, these forces of good and evil are personified they're not they're not just you know non personal forces they're real you know Jehovah is a person Lucifer is a person and. Uh, and that's the nature of the you know concept of Christian and Judeo-Christian good and evil as it's personified, and so you got this underlying historical story arc, if you will, that um, is going on. And so the fact that that you know all of us, I think that are that do writing and researching in this area, you know, we we basically share on a number of the conspiracy theories, but then we depart and kind of doubt. You know, I, I don't believe every conspiracy theory is true. In fact, we were kind of joking about this last night. Sometimes you just got to stop and say, you know, these guys in government aren't conspiring. They're just stupid. Yep. <laughs> right. yeah. Sometimes it's just dumb. You know, they're just failing to execute, failing to to to, to have any common sense. Right. And, and uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, part of, part of uh, you know, one of the things that we've often spoken about uh, on Canary Cry Radio and sort of the premise behind Age of Deceit was that the conspiracy really is the, it, it's a spiritual conspiracy, not so much necessarily a one-to-one ratio government conspiracy because, right. you know, we, we often, we, we had a thing called the victim's elite where we, uh, Basil wrote this beautiful poem uh, type thing that we made into a flyby where we describe how the victims, those people in government that are perpetrating these things, they're victims of this satanic spiritual conspiracy Right. More so than just, you know, oh, rubbing their hands together going, oh, we are conspiring to right. bring about evil and, and that kind of thing. And and that's sort of like the, that Mr. Burns on The Simpsons. Right. 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 Um, when pigs fly. Right. But, but I think I think it's uh, I think, you know, there, there are so many scriptures that tell us to to be sober, be vigilant or be right. yeah, uh, vigilant, vigilant, and diligent. yeah, <laughs> diligent, too. Yeah. Um, and even Jesus said, you know, keep watch, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think, and I, I always like to bring up second Timothy one seven that actually says, uh, you know, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. And so, although we yep. speak of things that may seem like it's fear mongering, it really, it's just relaying data that's out right. there. And within all of this, it's been my experience that the gospel actually shines even brighter mm-hmm. uh, in such a scenario because Really, we start looking at it. Well, where's the hope? Well, the hope is right. found in Christ. So right. uh, that's that's kind of why. I mean, I, I get it. I know some people get turned off by the fear mongering. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I've listened to Hagman and Hagman a few times, and mm-hmm. I get a, and Steve Quayle. I love Steve Quayle, but every time I listen mm-hmm. to him, mm-hmm. I think the world is ending tomorrow. Like I get yeah. all amped, yeah. and I'm like, all right, you know, I go to yeah. the wife. All so right, it's let's, all over. let's let's get the bunker. <laughs> I mean, it's like you know, I get that amped feeling. So I know right. I know what people are talking about when when they Absolutely. have their concerns. However, I yeah. will say that it's not so much of a you know, <laughs> I don't think it's it, these people are on fire for Christ. They're you know, they're doing what they felt called to do. It's right. not like they're just trying to fear monger everybody and, and freak everybody out. So, no, uh, no there, there's, there's got to be a real balance. And I, and I do feel like that, that, um, you know, that eschatology writers and researchers and speak, speakers that, that they do sometimes, uh, they are excessive because they, they will judge events, current events as uh, as as being well this is it you know this is this is the final global catastrophe this is clear it's going to happen now right. and you know we saw that with Hal Lindsey's book the late great planet earth it was it's very evident people thought well the lord is going to come you know 1988 was everybody was was convinced 1988 is the year because of well it's 40 years from you know 1948 and israel is the key to the bible prophecy scenario coming to pass and and of course it hasn't happened but having said that you know i, I think that it requires a a balance between understanding that there is, uh, you know, in the gospel, I, I wrote a book called Blood Moon, which I probably should have called it something else, but, but it really was dealing with the, the notion that the kingdom of Christ is an apocalyptic theme, you know, that, and that, that is part of Christianity, is that we are to live, as difficult as it is, 
we are to live uh, understanding that the apocalypse could happen at any moment. But moreover, the, the return of Christ, which is our hope, it is the blessed hope of the church, that that could happen at any moment. And indeed, Jesus said repeatedly, lots of parables, you know, what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Um, I think it's Matthew twenty four forty four, Mark thirteen twenty two. You know, you must watch, and so you, you have to embrace if you are living an authentic Christianity that um, that your time on Earth could end at any moment. That means you could die. Obviously, you could go to bed tonight and not wake up tomorrow. Uh, it also means the rapture could happen. It also means that there could be some kind of an apocalyptic cataclysm. It's just a necessary part of our faith because. It is a, an, an kind of an impetus towards being motivated to live a holy life now, to be sanctified. And yeah. that's what, you know, Peter says, you know, it's basically he says, live a holy life because you will hasten the Lord's return. And by the, which he is saying that, you know, there is a, a plan that God has to prepare his bride and that as we are prepared and as our lives grow holier, more sanctified, there there will come a time when, Christ will say, okay, the bride is perfected, you know, or the bride is at that state, which perfection, lots of times the Bible means completion. It means it's accomplished, we've accomplished our objective. doesn't mean it's, it's um, you know, in our own power that we're going to be spotless and blameless and wear a white robe. No, that, those robes are still furnished by the Lamb of God. But uh, I think that's, that's where a lot of people miss it, is that you have to have this sense that, on the one hand, the Lord can come at any minute. The, the kingdom of God is, is at hand, as Jesus preached. On the other hand, we have to have the, the sense that we must occupy until he comes, which is one of Jesus' parables that he taught when he was in Jericho. Occupy until, you know, until the Lord comes back. And, and that could be longer. And so I think we, we want to bring these issues up, just like the, you know, these issues that have turned the world upside down, that does not mean that the Lord is automatically going to come back in two years or four years. It might be 10 years. It might be 20 years. But the reality is that it reinforces the themes of the Bible, of history, of the great war between good and evil, and the fact that we play roles in what L.A. Marzulli calls the cosmic chess match. And so that's, that's where I think that's the tension of the Christian life. But it is a necessary tension. And yeah, could Steve Quayle or Hegman and Hegman go too strong, you know, in that? Yeah, they could. I think any of us that write on these subjects, we can go too strong. But, you know, look, consider the opposite. What is the truth most of the time? Most of the time, evangelicals won't deal with this. Pastors won't talk about it. It's as if, in fact, John Haller, I think, says this, you know, at this moment in time, we have never seen as much activity uh, happening along the the major themes of the Bible, and yet it is at this very moment when the evangelical church, who used to believe that the second coming of Christ was one of the fundamentals, at this very moment the evangelical church, by and large, has deserted the doctrine of the second coming. It is not premillennial, it is amillennial, meaning that it doesn't really believe in a millennial reign of Christ. It doesn't really believe that Jesus will physically come back to the earth. So it's adopted, the evangelical church is essentially adopted what is and always has been the Roman Catholic view of eschatology. And so I know I'm going on and on, but I'll just say that that's, that's the story arc, and that's the story arc that we have to keep in context uh, when we listen to Hagman and Hagman or Steve Quayle or Guns or Doug Woodward or you know, anyone that's talking about some of these alarming things that, uh, that will cause us to be considered alarmists. Totally. I think that's a very good way to put it. So... Let's talk about the conference here, the Prophecy Forum, a world turned upside down. Indeed. Yes. So, Gary, we've got a little bit going on here. We know kind of it's going to be in Ohio, which is, you know, exciting to the extreme. <laughs> but, um, it's the heartland. It's the heartland. <laughs> but um, where, like, how do we do this? How do I go to there? How do I get allowed inside the door and, you know, why, why should I bother going yeah, all the way out yeah. there? Yeah, well, you, you've got two options. Uh, if you want to come hang out with some of the most uh, intelligent and articulate critical thinkers, 
which the CIA would label conspiracy theorists. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> is the NSA? You know, just, just want to throw that in. Uh, uh, you know, Doug, you 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 were so eloquent in what you said there. But a couple of points I do want to make is that the CIA did coin the term conspiracy theorists, mm-hmm. right? Discount. Uh, people in the 60s and uh, the 70s that were revealing the truth. So right. uh, get past the label and, and, and start to think about these people as critical thinkers that are trying to uh, get through that 50% of our history that's classified top secret for a reason. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's part of it. And, and the other one uh, that I do want to throw out here is Dallas w- uh, Willard, uh, who was a, a professor at Biola and USC, um, and he wrote a, a, a seminal work called The Divine Conspiracy. And along with that story arc, uh, Doug, that you, you spoke of, I love the way that Willard phrased this. He said, basically to paraphrase him, he said, there is an eventuality that the story of Christianity, the story of Jesus Christ and his birth, death, and resurrection, there's an eventuality in this cosmic chess match that it will be played out, mm-hmm. and that corrupt human government would be destroyed by his second coming mm-hmm. to set the captives free. Indeed. And that is the, the big story. He that, who has this hope in himself purifies himself. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and then just last, I, you know, I had a stint in, in mental health inpatient care for a Christian inpatient hospital where I, I was an intake uh, crisis counselor and eventually became a hospital administrator. And I used to use a very practical acronym with people when they were on the phone and about ready to commit suicide and whether or not they would go down and present their driver's license. And I had a prepaid airline ticket for them to get on an aircraft to come in and we'd pick them up at the airport and put them into 30 or 60 days of inpatient care. Hmm. And I used to use the acronym denial and D is defensive or depressed. E is emotional N is negative, I is irrational, A is angry, and L is lonely. Hmm. Now, so the other side of that is sober. You can live in denial or you can get into sobriety. And sobriety was son of a bum, everything is real. <laughs> and, 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 you know, there's a paradigm shift there. People don't want to deal with truth, they don't want to deal with reality. They want to live in denial and in their addictive behavior. And our government is perpetuating people living in denial. The church is apostate. Pastors are AWOL, most of them. Um, And because of the 501c3, um, most are afraid of losing their tax exempt status and don't say anything. Right. The prophecy forum, Basil, back to your question, you can either jump on an airplane and get to Columbus and hang out with us, or you can uh, you can get on there and live stream, and I think it's pretty cheap. Gons, what's the price, 29 bucks or something like that? I'm- yeah, twenty nine ninety five, and uh, that'll get you, I think, the 16 main room mm-hmm. conversations that are going to take place, and uh, as well as an archive. Uh, I think we were thinking 30, but we might extend it to 60 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, which gives you plenty of time to go back and check out those talks. And uh, we'll have a DVD set of the entire conference as well. And um, the main goal, though, is to fellowship with like-minded believers. I think being there physically, rubbing shoulders with people, that's kind of the, uh, you know, that's something that you don't get with the live stream. However, the information is also, you know, very important. Uh, I think each speaker will be presenting things that are new, fresh, and unique to the conference. Uh, That's something that, uh, you know, so you're not going to get your your standard, uh, you know. (laughs) No, that's one of the things that we decided to do a bit differently is, is, uh, you know, too many of the conferences, uh, although they have been wonderful experiences, you know, they tend to be disjointed. Uh, They tend to be uh, you know, have 20, 30 speakers come in, they all bring their books, and I'm guilty as any anybody else, and they talk about those things that will help promote their books. And in this situation, we're, we're encouraging all the speakers to really deal with the theme so that the conference is more like a symposium. So it's really, we're really tackling a topic, and we're, you know, we're trying to also help people not just be confused or disturbed. I think you have to be disturbed in part, so that you you stand to attention and you listen more intently as to what you should go do. But I think we we want people to leave the conference not confused that they know 
what they should be doing, what they should be believing, what they should be teaching, what they should be sharing with others, um, you know, kind of next steps and fellowship. As God said, we think this is one of the really the key aspects to the prophecy forum is to understand that so many of the people that come are not connected to local assemblies because they're they they feel frankly alienated from the traditional Christian message, uh, the church. Uh, you know, and, and they need a, f- a forum in which they can come together, they can share ideas, uh, and the speakers, uh, you know, just to kind of reinforce the thing that Gary was saying is, you know, like myself, I, I go to these things, I come back exhausted because I don't really stop to go eat lunch or dinner. Usually, I'm usually at my table talking to people, uh, right. answering questions, and just and asking them what they think and getting a lot of feedback. And boy, let me tell you, it is enormous because I get some incredible anecdotes of people that have that are responding to things that I've talked about and um, just some amazing things whether I'm talking about dissociative identity disorder you know CIA I've had guys from the CIA come up and talk to me afterwards and you know basically say nope you know there's nothing that you're saying that's a problem it's true <laughs> it's yeah you know so you get that kind of feedback and it is really uh, it's encouraging it's confirming and so yeah, so these are other factors that we really want people to come because we think that they'll be blessed, not just by what they learn, but who they meet and establish bonds and relationships that we want to meet frequently enough. We hope to have three conferences in the first year and probably four in the next, and we want to build community amongst the people that come. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is leading into a much bigger conference, and I'm not going to say too much about it. We'll announce that. That would be good. When we get to Columbus, when you find out where this next conference is going to be, it'll blow you away. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do want to say that, and I'm going to say this as tactfully as I can, there's, there's some, some, some other players out there that have tried to just knock us off and run a conference ahead of us uh, as just a live stream conference. And, I, and you know what? Good luck with that. I, I think that's <laughs> extremely boring, quite frankly. I, I, you know, anybody can watch a podcast or or uh, a live cast. But uh, when you look at what Dish TV and Direct TV uh, and other people do, they, they typically, the content on, on those channels is at least a live audience to 300 or 400 people. And right. then, it's, then it's broadcast as TV network content. We're doing the same thing because I feel that the interaction with the people that attend that conference with the speakers is, is just critical. The information exchange uh, between both parties, the ability to have a live broadcast of Hagman and Hagman or Canary Cry Radio and with a live audience that finally gets an opportunity to come and ask their questions and get those questions answered by the speakers, I think is just an, an invaluable opportunity for those people. I know Mike. So, yeah, right. so that, that's, that's what we're going to do. There, I said it. There you said it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never been shocked. Well, we're excited to have um, a couple sessions ourselves uh, as Canary Cry Radio and do a little panel. I yeah, believe, I uh, talk about those guys. Those are cool. Yeah, I think we have a panel that uh, is going to have a little roundtable with a few young people. I think we're going to discuss some of the, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, am I am I wrong about that, Doug? Well, no, or, or that's we, right. Yeah. You, young young people that are, are very articulate, maybe have written books, may have done films. Yeah, uh, yeah go ahead. And they're going to talk about it. what we're really up yes, to yes. for the millennial generation that is not on the poster. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah so, Here's the bonus section of why you want to come. <laughs> we are going to try to highlight and, and bring to light some of the, uh, the, the younger uh, generation of people talking about it. I guess I'm included in that that conversation. You, you are. You um, are. <laughs> uh, and that's not anything negative against the older generation. This is, uh, I think, a building block that if they hadn't paved the way, I don't think people like us, people like Canary Cry Radio and others, uh, wouldn't have a place to really stand. But, you know, I think in, in light of where we're headed and, uh, you know, maybe the Lord returns in 10 years and it's not an issue, maybe it's 50 years, maybe it's 100 years, we don't know. But I think it is important to start to look at some of these younger guys, and uh, because you know we're we're coming at it from a different generation, we're we're coming at it from a different perspective. You know, I talked about a little bit of this uh, at the uh, prophecy forum last year, where the generation that's being born now they're they're called Generation S because they're born in front of screens, 
and they're on in front of screens all day long. Ooh, and, nice one. Well, Getting I mean, radiated. It's a real it's a real phenomenon in that you know I, I showed a little video clip of a little girl who uh, is really good on the iPad. You know, uh, whatever six months to a year old, really good on the iPad. They put a magazine in front of her, and she's trying to swipe the magazine. So I mean, it's it's it's. <laughs> I mean, stuff is different. You know, things are different yeah. in this generation, and I think. Even more so, it seems like there are certain aspects of Bible prophecy that are coming to light in lieu of these changes in technology and, and all these uh, different aspects there. So that's one topic. And sort of a, a tie-in with that, we're going to have a transhumanism discussion, which Basil Ooh. and I are very familiar with. And uh, we'll, we're going to have a little panel Bring discussion. Bring it on. Bring I think, it on. I think Bring Gary's part of the discussion. He is. He is. He is. Uh, and so I know, I. I know so you have, and so's Rust is dark. Perfect. And I, yeah. think, I know you guys have a lot to say about that and, and that'll be fun. And hopefully, uh, you know, you guys will have questions uh, that are not, not you guys. Guns, guys. Be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, this also means that uh, Basil is going to have to be there physically. We can't, yes, we can't uh, pipe in Basil. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. So there's the real answer in. to your question, Basil. I, I think we're going to bring you out there. Road trip. Road Woo! trip. Like, can we on film, your horse. We should make a podcast of a road trip, Gons, of you and me going out there. Yeah. And then it'll be, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of thinking like a planes, trains, and automobiles type thing. <laughs> That'd exactly. be awesome. Um, <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll document myself on a plane. And yeah. we'll document you hitchhiking oh, on the side of the road. We're going to hit Me all driving them, by, not me. picking you up. How about what, that? You think they're going to let us on a plane together, Guns? I really think that's going <laughs> to happen. If the well, plane they, has a bowl on it. They, they, let, they let the nurse with the Ebola you know, voluntarily, you know, just decide that's not a good to point. be I may just change my ticket reservations if you two are going. I'm going to sit in the middle and referee. <laughs> <laughs> you could record a couple episodes of Canary Cry oh, while you're in the car. That would, that would be priceless. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, sounds good. I'm in. <laughs> Okay, well, is there anything else we need to cover here, Gons? Well, the, let's see. The price for uh, the main tickets is uh, $54.95, but if you look around for the speaker's website, you're going to find promo codes, not $5 off that. And we still have a few couples tickets left, Gons, but not many. Ooh, yeah, we're, we're, uh, I think we're down to just a handful of the couples or pairs yeah, uh, tickets. You get so tickets. you get a, yeah. a pretty a pretty good discount if you get yeah. that that's plus 20, the that's twenty bucks. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, but that'll run out soon. So you know, make sure if you're going to get out there, and that's for the whole conference. Then yes, that's for the whole the whole shoot match. The whole student match. Just the first night, and you got to pay again to get in the next day. <laughs> no, I no. think we made that decision right I think, now. I, I think we're on track to have a huge turnout. I, I think we're going to clearly sell it out. We're probably going to have a little bit of people, you know, you know into the overflow theater. So uh, it, it looks exciting at this point. Yep. Yes, it does. Well, we're okay. Over, oh, we're halfway there, so uh, we and we have basically thirty days to go. So we we anticipate that it will be. Will be a sellout, and and uh, people can can do live streaming of the main ten sessions, but you may miss some of the most fun things that happen in the big theater. So, so we'll see. We'll so see what get on it. Get on it, everybody. The prophecyforum.com is I believe you can buy tickets there, right? You fellas? can. That's exactly oh, right. So make sure to go and do that. Do it quickly, or else yes, pay the consequences. Indeed. Um, oh yeah, and also find some discount codes at your favorite people. Yes. Was that right? I mean, well, the, what do I call them? Are they people? Speakers, you know, you can yeah, there you go to Salas' site, or you can go to Russ Dizdar's site, or you can go to Gonza's and Basil's site, I guess, can't you? Yeah. I don't know, There's, sure. We didn't say much. Of, I, I just want to put a plug in here for True News and Rick Wiles. We didn't say too much about Oh, it. yeah, we didn't. That, well, good point. Those guys have actually been silent partners with us in this, um, and we would have liked to have had Rick Wiles come and speak as well. But Rick is changing the entire format of True News uh, this month and, uh, and wasn't able to, um, to get there. But uh, they've been a, a terrific sponsor, and we're, I, I think we're all very, very fond of what Rick and Doc Burkhart and those guys produce down there at True News with some of the best speakers, frankly, in the world that are on his program every day. Yeah. So. Well, Howard Cosell used to talk, you know, do Monday Night Football, and he'd always back up his explanations with, He's just telling it like it is, and and Rick Wiles definitely tells it like it is. Absolutely, and I want him to keep doing that. Yeah, so. that's right. Keep it up, Rick. Good job, Rick. I'm proud of you. 
<laughs> Thank you, Baz. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there you go, everybody. Make sure to do that. Get ex- get excited. Get stoked. Fill up the gas tank. Uh, buy your your Ebola free airplane ticket. We might have, have to. We might have there. to all show up in hazmat suits over there. Yes, just we should have be, at least one person sure. to do that. Just you know, I set the volunteer. stage. Yeah, I, 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 we we know that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that hazmat suit in Westminster back in February. <laughs> <laughs> I think I found my uh, outfit for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you should have the hazmat suit and then have a T-shirt you pull over the top of it. With like Jesus saves on the front or something like that. I don't know. You you'll have to figure that out. I'm we'll, sure we'll that, have a meeting. We'll have a yeah. staff meeting. About <laughs> okay, it. you can discuss what you know. What should be the canary cry response to Ebola? <laughs> so, all right. Anything else, Gons? Before we wrap this sucker up? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, we've tried to wrap a couple times. So I know. Let's, let's go just, ahead and it's like drop the last. The wrap. So is this like a flyby show now, or have we decided that it's long enough that it's actually an official show? I was thinking calling it a special. A special? Just okay. a special. It's a special show. I like that. Just so nobody knows exactly what to expect. <laughs> we're, we're privileged and honored to be a part of what you guys are doing, and no kidding, yeah, it's thanks. always a lot of fun. Absolutely, cool. and thanks so much for coming on, and good luck, you know, all of you three. Well, thank you. Awesome new show. Well, thank you so much. Woody and Wink, we're, we're you know, we're, we're plowing new ground, I tell you. There you go. (laughs) All right, folks, there you go. Make sure to do all the things I just told you to do. And make sure to tune in next time to Canary Cry Radio. But until then, think outside the cage. And there's the music. (laughs) Take it away, producer fans.